قل يا أيها يا أيها We translate this in, in English O ye who are unbelievers or Ya ayyuha is O ye Hey you <laughs> They're all interesting points of grammar about Ya ayyuha But what is fascinating about it Ya Ya in Arabic is what they call Nida' al-Ghaib Nida' al-Ghaib you, the, 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 what you, um, a form of calling upon that which is remote. So if I say, Ya Jihad, because I put Ya in front of Jihad, the connotation is that Jihad is not right in front of me. I mean, it's sort of far away, remote, even not present. So, if if he's not even present in the room at all, and I call upon him in this fashion, there is a sense of tamanni. There is a sense of of uh, hope, hoping that you're sort of hoping for his presence, or that he's just remote, far away. But it makes little sense if I use it, and he's right in front of me. Ya ayuha. In traditional Arabic, they said the ay. You know that expression. Yeah, and then you say ay. The ay, nida al hadr. You call upon what is present. And ha, in ay yuha, To call the attention of. Now that's very interesting because ya ayuha. You call upon which the distance. And you invoke what is present. And you call their attention to something. Imam Ali, relying on this grammatical point, said that ya refer, refers to invoking your spirit. Because your spirit is always the most elusive part of you. And ay invokes your heart because it's close, closer. And ha invokes your conscience. Which needs to be alerted. Now, this is in the in the sort of the refinements of an Imam Ali, which he often came up with. Again, ya invokes the spirit, ay invokes the heart, and ha ya in ya ayuha, the ha invokes your conscience. And in the music of the word, in the music of the language. You sort of can make, it makes sense. Yeah, is sort of, there is a spiritual component to it in just the music of the language. A, much more mundane, much more physical. And then ha, sort of the, 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 the alertness of the conscience. But I just thought I, I let you know, I mean, that you can get into all types of, uh, uh, even esoteric, and beautiful connotations to all types of things that come up in the Quran, um, and explore new dimensions of beauty and spirituality in their use. Although, I mean, and, and this is of course, this is very different, by the way, from the uh, transmission-oriented interpretation of the Quran, tafsir naqli, and very different from the 
rational-oriented interpretation of the Qur'an, tafsir aqli. This is the tafsir rawhani, which of course the Sufis, the spiritual interpretation of the Qur'an. Those of you in the Qur'an class know that there is the, the, trend, the, the interpretation of the Qur'an based on naqd, transmissions, interpretation of the Qur'an based on aql, on rationality, and interpretation of the Qur'an based on rawhaniyyah, on, on spirituality. Uh, or Jamaliya, often called Jamaliya, means aesthetics. This genre of material that I just quoted from Imam Ali is much more in the Rauhaniya part, in the aesthetics, and the spiritual forms of interpretation of the Qur'an, which is a fascinating area to, to go into. And, I mean, while I sort of raise the issue to you, you can imagine that each of these surahs that we, we dealt with if we would take it from the point of view of aesthetics and beauty, we spend hours upon hours just dealing, dealing fra- with it from that point. Most of our interpretation is very nakli based, transmission based, and that's why we say it has been reported that this surah has been called such and such, been named this and this, and it's very akli based. It's based on rational Understanding and, 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 and analysis. The, the aesthetic and spirituality of interpretation uh, is omitted because of its extensiveness. And uh, that if it's not coupled with spiritual exercises, then the, your ability or your chance for comprehending it is non-existent. In other words, the only time that form of interpretation actually can have meaning to you, you can feel it, is when it is coupled with spiritual exercises. So, for example, you spend two hours saying, Ya ayyuha, ya ayyuha, ya ayyuha, ya ayyuha, ya ayyuha. And then you reflect upon every time you say it, upon the call to the spirit, the call to the heart, the call to the, to the conscience, and then the way it's supposed to work is that you absorb it and you feel your spirit, your heart, and your conscience coming to life, and so on. But as you can see, our method is, is different uh, from that. But it is, it is, um, it's a beautiful part of the Islamic tradition, nonetheless, and it's something that that should be mentioned. Not specifically in this one. I mean, he he, he comments about this context. Okay. <clears throat> Okay, يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ الْكَافِرُونَ Now, if you look in your translations, you'll find that it is translated unbelievers, because it derives from the word kuf, and kuf has certain meaning. In Orientalist literature, they like to translate it infidels, O oh, ye who are infidels. But then there is an issue. Do we call Jews and Christians, kuffar, or we don't call them kuffar. Are they kuffar or not kuffar? You see, if they're not believers, then they might not, if, if it means unbelievers, then the Jews and Christians might not be kuffar. Because they might believe, because they might believe in the same God we believe in. In fact, they're supposed to believe in the same God we believe in. So in what sense can we call them unbelievers? That's why Razi in his tafsir, 
says, no, you cannot call the Christians and Jews kuffar. And consequently, when it says, Ya ayyuhal kafirun, it is specific. It means basically those who asked the question of the Prophet. Those who requested that they worship God for one year and the Prophet worship, worships their God for one year. And consequently, Irazi and others conclude that this verse is um, um, that it is, it is specific for a, a specific group of people, not generally. The problem though is that if that is the case, then all the ver- all the surah is saying is that I worship what you don't worship. I worship differently than what you worship. It seems to be redundant about nothing. It seems to make a big deal about nothing. But if you look at it, it seems the style, in fact, seems to be stating a very grand principle. So what is meant by kafirun? Why does it say, Ya ayyuhal kafirun? Well, what is kuf? What is kuf? Kuf could be a legal definition, and you could say a kafir is anyone who has not formally taken the shahada. This is not an issue of morality or spirituality, but the technical definition of Islam. So anyone who took the shahada would be a Muslim. Anyone who hasn't would be a kafir. But beyond the legal definition, a kafir, kufr means ingratitude, or someone who does not acknowledge or recognize. Note that the Fatiha does not use the word kuffar. غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين That's the only time it refers to unbelievers. Those that الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين It refers to those that Allah is angry with and refers to those that who have been led astray. Here, there is a reference to those who are kuffar. Kuffar are those who do not acknowledge and are in a state of ingratitude. Acknowledge what? Acknowledge the dynamic, interactive dynamic between them and Allah. If that's the meaning, then in this situation it is very general. Because it could be, Ya ayyuhal kafirun, could be anyone, anyone, who is not, does not acknowledge the dynamic interactive relationship between them and Allah. It's sort of anyone who does not acknowledge that Allah crowds his or her space. That Allah constructs his or her reality. That Allah dictates his or her reality and existence. So in other words, there could be a technical sense of the word, or there could be a substantive sense of the word. Substantive means what the word actually refers to, beyond the technical definition. Yeah. Well... It could, the, 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 the technical definition of kuf 
any Muslim cannot be kafir. That's from a perspective of law. But in this verse, it seems to be broader than that. That even a Muslim who does not acknowledge the uniqueness of the interactive relationship, in this sense, not in a technical sense, could be among those who are in state of ingratitude. It is not that he's a kafir in the sense we call, when we say, oh, you're a kafir, and we're calling him a bad name. But in the sense that they are in a state of ingratitude and failure to acknowledge. And, we, and then the, the repetition and many other things start, start making sense. Okay. قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ لَا أَعْبُدُ مَا تَعْبُدُونَ وَلَا أَنْتُمْ عَابِدُونَ مَا أَعْبُدُ What is أَعْبُد? قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا Say, O ye who are kuffar, kafirun. لَا أَعْبُد لَا أَعْبُدُ مَا تَعْبُدُونَ وَلَا أَنْتُمْ عَابِدُونَ مَا أَعْبُدُ Two consecutive ayat. La abud ma ta'abudun. And you stop. Wala antum abudun ma abud. This is the third ayah. Third verse. Now, if we would translate it, we say, I do not worship what you worship, and you do not worship what I worship. Again, in, if, if it's a very simplistic sense of worship, then it's, it's a complete redundancy. But if it goes beyond worship, then we start seeing nuances to it. What is abud? We already construct, confronted iyaka na'bud and ibadah. The existence of ibadah is a relationship of dependency. And we talked about in the context of the fatha an interactive dynamic of dependency. And caretaking. We talked about it in the context of the Fatha, and you can go back and review your notes for the Fatha, that it is an interactive relationship of dependency and caretaking. So when we said, that it is not only that we acknowledge your existence, but we engage in a relationship, in a dynamic interactive relationship, in which we depend on you, depend on you for understanding who we are, what we are, and where we're going. So here it comes and says, La abud ma ta'abudun. I am not in a state of ibadah. I am not in a state of ibadah towards what you are in a state of ibadah. Now note here is that it's as if, it's not it's as if, it is in fact saying that I am in a state of ibadah already with, with, with someone. And you are in a state of ibadah with someone. If it's general, if ya ayyuhal kafirun is general, it is as if saying all of you, all of you who are ungrateful, all of you who do not acknowledge a dynamic interrelationship with Allah, all of you who are in a state of ingratitude towards Allah, are also in a state of ibadah towards something else. Are also in a state of ibadah towards something else. At the same time, 
if we say it is specific, that Ya Ayyuhal Kafirun doesn't refer to all the, the, the those who are ungrateful, but only to, to a limited group, and that's the, the people who ask the Prophet the question, then uh, basically it's talking about the unbelievers in Mecca who used to worship idols. But then you ask yourself, why is it so, why is it so heated up about idol worshiping? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's something of the past. It's gone. So, this insistence, well, you know, you worship your idols and I worship my God and you, and I will not worship your idols and you will not worship my God. I mean, it's sort of making, it's a, the, 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 the tonality, the tone of the language does not Equal, the tone of the language is very high and very powerful. But yet, what we're talking about is nothing, not so significant. And then you ask yourself, why this discrepancy? But if you consider that it is talking about all of those who are in state of ingratitude and denial of an interactive dynamic relationship with Allah, then you say, aha, I see the importance. I see why the tone is so powerful, so adamant. So insistent. So, those of you who are in this state of ingratitude, you do not, wor- you do not worship. Well, I don't want to use worship because it's wrong. You are not in a state of ibadah towards Allah or towards what I am in a state of ibadah with. You are in a state of ibadah with something else. And I am not in a state of ibadah towards what you are in a state of ibadah with. La abud ma ta'abudun. It is a present futuristic sense. In other words, it implies the present, not implies, it refers to the present with an implication towards the future. La abud ma ta'abudun. I am not in a state of ibadah towards, vis-a-vis, what you are in a state of abada towards. Wala antum abiduna ma'abud. And you, likewise, are not in a state of ibadah towards what I am in a state of ibadah with. Several issues come up. Some have argued, la abud ma ta'abudun, the first, the first, uh, verse, is referring to the future primarily, while the second refers to the present primarily. Wala antum abiduna ma'abud refers to the, to the, to the present primarily. Another group said no. The first verse refers to the present primarily, and the second verse refers to the future primarily. Grammar. They disagreed about the wazn al fa'l which one refers to al-hal and which one refers to the mustaqbal that's, that's the whole uh, and some said that al-ula mustaqbaliya wa thaniya lil-hal and some said that al-ula lil-hal wa thaniya lil-mustaqbal and some said this is the third school said well one of them refers to the Future, one of them refers to the present. We don't know which one. We don't know. We're not sure which one. Now, it's sort of, the, the truth of the matter is, both verses have a sense of present and future. 
Because if you look at the, 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 the form of, of, of verbs used, they refer to the present and future. Go back to your notes on Iyaka Na'bud. Because it is not just simply worship. It includes worship. It's inclusive of worship. But it is beyond just simply worship. It is, it also includes an interactive dynamic relationship in which you depend on Allah for your very construction of reality. Now, there's a fourth school of thought which said, ma, um, it said, and I'll say it in Arabic and then I'll try to explain. So it's not, it's not a very significant opinion. So it means that, um, nafi lil maqsood al ma'bud is what they call, they call nafi al maqsood al ma'bud. So ma is by, it's as if it says, alladhi ta'abudun, bima'na alladhi. So it's as if it's saying, la a'bud alladhi ta'abudun, wa la antum a'abudun alladhi a'bud. Um, this is a grammatical point. Whether ma here basically means alladhi. Alladhi means who you, who. So it's as if it's saying, I do not a'bud who you ta'bud. So, but it's, it's a point of grammar and it is not a very significant one because it doesn't really tell us much about the meaning itself. As opposed to the, the fifth school. Note here, by the way, the, when the, the verse said la, do you know when you use la and when you use ma? Mass past tense. Wala, present and future. Right? So when it said, لا أعبد ما تعبدون ولا أنتم عابدون ما أعبد. It raises an interesting point. Is it saying, you do not worship what I worship and you will never worship what I worship? No, it says, ولا أنتم ولا أنتم. Here ma refers, it's as if it means الذي. So, so forget that. But when it says, وَلَا أَنْتُمْ عَابِدُونَ مَعَابِدُ And you will not. It's as if it's saying, and you will not worship what I worship. This entered into the debate about what? About predestination. Whether it is basically saying, so those who, the, 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 uh, the Jabriya, the, the school of predestination, said this is proof of predestination. Because it says that those of you who, you know, are destined not to worship, will never worship. But, other than the school of predestination, it said, no, it does not necessarily say that you, that you will never worship what I worship. What it's saying is this, is that as long as you are in state of ingratitude, it's as if, it's as if it's a shartiyya. By saying, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ Oh you who are kuffar, as long as you are in a state of ingratitude, as long as you are in a state of denial as to this interactive relationship of dependency with God, you and I do not have ibadah towards the same thing. And these are, this is the, this is the, the, the point of view that took it away from the issue of predestination. I said, no, it's not, even if it's talking about present and future, it's not talking about predestination and the lack of predestination. Okay, 
Now, the, the, the point about these two verses, it could be saying the same thing, just flipping it. Or it could be saying different things. The first one, this is the fifth school of thought, said that the first, first verse negates al-i'tibar al-khas. I'll say it in Arabic first. وَالثَّانِيَةَ نَفْيِ الْعَامِ الْمُتَنَاوَلْ لِجَمِيعَ الْجِهَاتِ That the first one negates it in a specific context. Negates that we, you and me and you, unbelievers, me and you, kuffar, negates that we have ibadah, na'bud, the same thing in a specific context. The second one negates it in, in, in all contexts. How is that? If I say, La azlim ligharad, I will not cause an injustice in this situation. And then I say, in fact, I will not cause an injustice in any situation. Here I have not repeated myself, but I have used a form which generalized what started out as more specific. And through a certain analysis of the uses of language, they argued that it basically starts out by saying, using a more restrictive form, saying that we do not have ibadah towards the same thing, and then used a form which is even more general and more inclusive, not simply repeating it, but affirming it in a very wide-ranging form. It's as if I say, I I will not kill. And then I say, no, I will not kill. I haven't repeated myself. I've generalized myself. I started out by saying, I will not kill. Okay, fine. And then I say, no, I want not kill. Then what do you understand by the second statement? Is that under no circumstances will I kill? Do you see what I'm saying? That when I, when I said it again, I simply did not affirm what I said first. But I in fact broadened what I said first. So, here, the, the distance between me and those who are in a state of ingratitude has been broadened when I repeated it again. It makes a difference in a technical sense that it now changes the, the, the scope or the view. But in terms of meaning, does it really make a difference? I mean, in terms of what it actually means, no. It, it simply seems to repeat. So either it repeats itself or, the, so what the schools of thought are, either one is that it just simply repeats itself from a different, so I say, so it's, uh, I come out and say, we will not hit each other. You will not hit me, and I will not hit you. One school of thought is we just, I just repeated myself in different forms. Another school of thought is, I started out by saying, one verse refers to the present, the second verse refers to the future. The third school of thought said, no, the first verse refers to the future, the second one refers to the present. 
A third school of thought said one of them refers to the present, one of them refers to the future, we're just not sure which. In other words, the point is one is to the future, one is to the present. The fourth school of thought is a technical point of grammar and it doesn't really make much of a difference in the meaning. The fifth school of thought said no, it is not simply a repetition. It is an emphasis that broadens the scope of the coverage. So when I said, we will not hit each other, you will not hit me, and I will not hit you, it's not that I just simply repeated myself. I reaffirmed the principle and broadened and generalized it. So now it is clear and decisive.